This is Behold, a VBC podcast. Our goal is to examine biblical truth that will better equip you to behold the glory of the Lord more fully in your daily life. And without further ado, here is the Behold podcast. Well, hello and welcome to the Behold podcast, everybody. My name is Sean and I'm here with my boy. Yeah, yeah. Dan Gillette up in here. And my girl. I don't know how to do rap, guys. (laughs) MC Connie Johnson. (laughs) I love it. Well done, Connie. Well done. Um, Well, hey, just before, I mean, thank you for joining us today. Grateful for Dan and Connie being able to be here with us as well. Um, Just before we dive into the podcast today, we just wanted to um, just take a moment and, and really just focus on prayer for an issue. You know, some of you, if you were with us on this last Sunday morning at both of our campus, you would have heard a um, announcement from the elders that has to do with a family matter here at VBC. And it wasn't a very fun announcement. It's a painful one in some ways. And some of you who didn't hear it, um, that's okay. Because what's important for you to know right now is that this is a season for our church family where we are as elders and pastors and ministry leaders and brothers and sisters, uh, just moving forward, keeping our eyes fixed upon Christ. You know, And, and as we do that, Really, I think the big hope and focus and desire for all of us is just to have a spirit of unity right now. You know, we are, as we talk about a lot on this podcast, um, we are all engaged in spiritual warfare. And the enemy will do anything he can to disrupt worship, to divide God's people, to try to skew perspectives. Um, and, and we know that to protect ourselves from that, we have to just cling to the Holy Spirit and cling to God and practice unity with one another. You know, in line with that, one thing I've been reading this week is uh, the book of Philippians. Um, and man, if you have two minutes this week, read Philippians too, because it's humbling, first of all, but it's just a great reminder of how to, as we follow Christ, conduct ourselves uh, to, to, to move forward with humility before one another. I'll just read to you a few verses here. So if there's any encouragement in Christ, any comfort from love, any participation in the spirit, any affection and sympathy, complete my joy by being of the same mind, having the same love, being in full accord and of one mind. Do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility count others more significant than yourselves. Let each of you look not only to his own interests, but also to the interests of others. Have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus. Though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself by taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men. And being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. And listen to what God does in response to that. Therefore, God has highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name that is above every name, so that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Dan's going to pray in a second, but just from that, just, just one reminder as you read that. And again, please just take a minute to read this this week and just invite the Holy Spirit to just help your heart as you do so. Um, but just be reminded that this is the example we see through our Savior, that he was equal to God and yet he emptied himself in humility to come as a servant to all. And because of that, 
God received glory through his son, Jesus. And we are enabled to, by demonstrating that same humility, that same desire to walk in love and in unity with one another, to glorify God in all things, church family. That's good. Listeners, will you join your hearts with me as we pray? <clears throat> Father, we, we thank you for this, this day. We thank you for this even trial and this, this valley and moment that we're in right now as a church family. And we know, God, that in all things you are good. Mm-hmm. And in all things, you are working for our good, mm-hmm. even if the things themselves are not good. And I just pray that we would be reminded now more than ever that there is one God and there is one body of Christ that Valley Bible Church is a part of. And just Jesus, as you prayed to the Father, that there would be unity and oneness among your believers and your followers, just as you and the Father have unity and oneness. We pray that that would be maintained as we go through this trial together. Lord, would you help us to be devoted to one another in love? Would you help us to be fervent in prayer? Holy Spirit, you promise to help us in our weakness. Because in times like these, we don't even know what to pray for. But we need your help, Spirit, to intercede on our behalf according to the will of God. And we know you'll do that. Even if all we can do is is groan or sigh or just plead with you for for your, your goodness and mercy. And so will you help us as we pray? Would you help us to be reminded to pray? And Lord, I also just want to ask just for just um, wisdom and discernment, just in how we speak to each other in this body. God, we, we know from your word that you hate slander, you hate gossip, you hate um, foolish and coarse words. And we know that we have the ability to speak life or death in every situation. And so would you help us to choose life? Mm-hmm. Would you help us to only speak words that are edifying mm. and useful for building one another up in love? And we know, God, that this is a season of waiting, that we have to trust in you, that we have to keep our eyes fixed on you. Where else does our help our help come from? Amen. And so, God, would would you just refine us through this period? Let this be a purifying period for us. May we come out on the other side of it more wholly devoted to you in every way. Mm -hmm. And God, just like when you make new wine, there's a pressing and a crushing. But at the end, there's something beautiful and useful. And I pray that that would be said of us during this time. We trust you and we entrust ourselves to your careful hands mm-hmm. in Jesus name. Amen. 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 Thank you, Dan. Hey, church family, if you um, have questions for the elders, then you can email them at elders at vbc.online. If you want prayer support, same thing. Um, or you, if you want just to, to be in fellowship and like I said, prayer, then 
Dan at VBC.online, Sean, Connie at VBC.online, any one of us would love to um, just support you all in this time. And again, just delight in the unity that we have because that's the truth of it is that we have, uh, just like we did yesterday and just like we did the month before that, we have a freedom and a joy in, in salvation still and, and in, in unity of our church family that we want to um, participate in, even as we go through hard things as a family, you know, we can yeah. still enjoy the beauty of being Christ's church and his body together. So, Amen. So that said, um, this is a fitting theme, you know, of moving forward with our eyes fixed on Christ in the midst of uncertainty or hard times as we look to what happened when Jesus went to Nazareth as seen in, in Luke 4. So I don't know who taught uh, on Sunday, but he was a weird looking fellow. <laughs> <laughs> but Dan and Connie, as you guys listen to that message, um, yeah, just let's just start off off here. What are some things that jumped out to you or you just thought about in, in a new light? Mm. Well... The weird looking fellow was actually Sean. No. <laughs> he was a very handsome guy on Sunday morning, as he always is. And uh, he, I think, um, Sean, you set the stage of that scene so beautifully of um, him coming into the synagogue, Jesus growing up in this small town, um, everybody knowing he's Joseph's son. He's a car, you know carpenter or some sort of tradesman. Is it? A car- I mean, we say carpenter, but is that is he? Was well, he? A there's carpenter? debates on this. There's a lot. Yeah. There's, a, there's a lot of theologians who actually, if you if you do a word study, it's more likely that he was maybe a stonemason. Oh, yeah, interesting. Wow, so he worked. He worked with his hands. He worked with he his did hands. Did work. Yeah, he worked with his hands. So they all they knew him. They grew up with him, and then him. Reading that scroll from Isaiah with all this, these eyes fixed on, I'm sure it was a bigger crowd than normal. I think that you, that's what you said mm-hmm. because, you know, he had been already doing miracles in Galilee and his word, um, the word about him was spreading. And so I'm sure it was a very full synagogue that morning. But anyway, the scene was just a beautiful how you you said it and, and really understanding the actual context and the setting of, of this scene was was really striking for me, Sean. Well, and you get, you get a sense too, just, I mean, Jesus was such a polarizing figure, right? And there was, there was just mixed reviews on him, right? Because you heard him speak and either you knew that these are the words of life. This, this is the, this is the messenger. uh, This is the message of God. This is the words of God. Or you, you just, your heart was so completely hardened and you were so full of pride and stubbornness that you you hated what he was saying mm-hmm. because to you it sounded like the words of death and i think you you see that in this scene and i think even today the words of jesus have a similar effect there's this there's this polarizing response that we see there's these mixed reviews that we see i mean when when you actually get into the stuff jesus taught no one, no one ends, you know, no one walks away being like, just meh, eh, Jesus is just <laughs> meh. You take him or leave him. You know, either you, you, you love him and you acknowledge him as savior or, or you completely reject him. Yeah. Yeah. And, and usually if people reject Jesus, they don't walk away saying things like, oh man, loving other people, that sounds horrible, you know, or oh man, <laughs> being humble in life, that would be terrible. Like, oh man, using my gifts to help other people, oh gosh. You know, normally they're not mad about the teachings. Normally they're mad about how that translates to, to their expectations for life. It reveals something in them. Oh, in you, want, you want yeah. me to, to not be the top of my priority list? Mm-hmm. You want me to give up something that I love doing, you know, that kind of thing? So yeah, 
normally you already see, even what you're talking about, that people's hatred stems from the inside, not from Jesus himself, right? And you certainly see that with the Nazarenes as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I think that was kind of one of the big themes that was running through the whole morning was just what is your heart level response? Sean, you kind of put it like, what's your attitude towards Jesus and and his teachings and just what he's all about. And I think it was a good opportunity for us to look inwardly and, and evaluate, you know, our, our, where we're at with that. Mm. And I know Connie, you know, just as in verse 20 and 21 of, of chapter four, kind of, <laughs> Sean, you called it a mic drop moment, <laughs> right? Where, And Jesus has a lot of these cool moments. Like I thought about the woman at the well, you know, he's like the one that you are talking about, you are now talking to, you know, and it's like, whoa, I am the best. My mind is blown, you know? Um, But Connie, how did that strike you when when Jesus gave that mic drop moment Mm -hmm. and basically said this scripture that you guys have, have known your whole life and been waiting for for generations is now fulfilled Mm -hmm. in, in me, essentially what he's saying is how did that strike you? Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, I was really struck by this little table um, table of things that Sean you put together that he when he was reading from Isaiah sixty one and he he's saying I mean he's saying these things today this is being fulfilled in your hearing meaning I'm He yeah, right amazing. preaching the gospel to the poor healing the brokenhearted proclaiming liberty to the captives giving sight to the blind and setting at liberty those who are oppressed. And this last one, you know, he he stops with this proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. I love how you took us back to Leviticus 25 and that idea of the year of Jubilee, the 50th mm-hmm. year, how all these things would happen, these, these gracious, wonderful things would happen, and that he stops mid-verse, uh, and then he s- drops the mic and sits mm-hmm. down, yeah. rolls the scroll back up and sits down. And so that, that you know, that at that point... It said, you know, how you brought up Sean, how all spoke well of him. And in verse 22, it says, all spoke well of him and marveled at the gracious words that were coming from his mouth. And then they say, isn't this not good? Then they switch a little bit and say, wait, wait, isn't this just Jesus, that Joseph's son who grew up with our kids, with us? But anyway, this idea of the year of the Lord's favor, um, really, I was just marinating on that a little bit yesterday about how we are in the year of the Lord's favor. This is where he stops because this is the year of the kingdom. You know, I was looking um, back at Galatians 4, where it says in verse 3, in the same way, we also, when we were children, were enslaved to the elementary principles of the world. But when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his son, Mm. born of woman, born under the law, to redeem those who were under the law so that we might receive adoption as sons. We have that opportunity right now. This the is fullness the year, of time has this come. This is it. The fullness of time has come. He says, this is fulfilled right now, you guys, in your hearing. Mm-hmm. You are in the year of the Lord's favor. Mm-hmm. This vengeance, era, this whole this era. era. Yeah. Vengeance, wrath, judgment is coming. But right now, we're still in his favor time. You know, yeah. today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your heart. Yeah. No, it's so good. It's so good to to be reminded of that because it seems like the world is crazy, <laughs> right? And I mean, there's there's all kinds of madness happening in, in politics and with culture and 
you know, there's balloons getting shot out of the sky and just it, it, UFOs. You mean? Yeah. Yeah. Sometimes you look at, you know, you just, you, you look at what's happening in the world and you're like, this, this is, how could this possibly be an era of favor? Right. But I, I think about that idea of, of God not being slow in fulfilling his promises He's just being patient because he wants more people to come into his kingdom. Mm. He wants more people to receive his mercy. And he's, he's delaying that judgment that, that is, is going to come because he wants, he's a generous welcoming God and he wants more people to come in and, and what a beautiful thing for us to focus on in the midst of trying times. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So I think it's, it's a beautiful, gracious thing but it's also a warning for us. Explain. What do you mean? Like you said, Dan, I mean, it's inevitable. Judgment will come. It may mm. not happen in our lifetime. It may, but it, you know, God has promised that day he will come again, but he's not going to come as the little meek and mild baby. He's going to come as a warrior. Mm. And so this is gracious. This is a gracious period that we have an opportunity to to speak the gospel, open our mouths, be kind um, to our neighbors, bring mm. more of the folks into the fold. Yeah. Well, so then, so then what do you think happened, guys? Like, because there, there's such a shift in the response of those, those people in, in the synagogue listening. Mm. At first, they're really digging it. You know, may, maybe they're like, maybe they're thinking in terms of, wow, this, we're in this season of favor. We're in this era of favor. But then all of a sudden there's this shift and, and they, 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 they want to kill Jesus. Yeah. So what, what do you think happened, Sean? And, and like, what does it reveal about their hearts? Yeah. Well, I think, um, I mean, we'll explain a little bit, but I think at the core of all of this is at the end of the day, it's, it's pride. It's, it's, it's selfishness. It's self-centeredness. And um, I mean, I think we'll probably talk about that more today, but even what you were just talking about, Connie, as far as, or both of you about going through hardships, at the end of the day, what can transform that experience for us is how much we're going through those things where they focus on ourselves, you know? Um, but anyways, with the, with the Nazarenes, that's the issue is they hear this good news and it is good news. So they rejoice and they're praising the things coming out of his mouth. But then they, they have certain expectations of what Jesus is going to do for them. You know, they have expectations of what this season of the Lord's favor is supposed to look like, mm-hmm. right? But then Jesus brings up these two stories. Um, basically, he calls out their doubt because he he knows that they're going to be questioning his his authority as Joseph's son. And he brings up these two stories of Elijah and Elisha. And, you know, at the end of the day, um, if you're unfamiliar in Elijah's story, there's drought and famine, and he provides for him through a widow who's not part of Israel. Miraculously, God provides for Elijah and the woman and her son, um, because of her faith in, in God, and she's not a Jew, you know. In the time of Elisha, God, despite many Jews having leprosy, he heals none of them except for Naaman, who's an officer from Syria. And so for both of these things, the point is, as Jesus brings things up, brings these stories up, is God helped people who, A, were not from Israel, mm-hmm. and B, he didn't help them because of who they were. You know, like one of them was a dying widow. One of them was a well-off officer. It's not because of who they were. It's because of their humility and their faith right. to God. Well, and, and you see you see that through line throughout scripture. And I think a lot of times we, we get 
things mixed up like, oh, it was different back in the Old Testament yeah. and, and than it is in this New Testament. And obviously there, there is differences, but but there are through lines. And, and the one that you just mentioned right there is righteousness comes by faith. Amen. So God, it, he, he can look inside our hearts and see where we're at. Are we stiff-necked, stubborn, prideful, uh, you know, unrepentant, or are we are we full of faith? Are we full of, of, of trust in God? Are we full of humility and, and are we poor in spirit? And those two encounter are those two stories. You, you see that. Yeah. Well, and then you can just imagine from the perspective of the Nazarenes, it's like, I can just imagine the, first of all, the shock of hearing those stories brought up and paired with this promise of the Messiah coming to do wor- his work, you know, because like I said, there must be those expectations developing of what Jesus is going to do for Nazareth. And here he is essentially calling them out of saying, hey, I'm not going to do things the way that humanity wants me to do it. I'm going to do the way the Father wants me to do it. And, and, and saying, and it's not going to be just you. It's going to be your enemies as well. Yeah, the we're people, opening it up. The people who yeah. have been oppressing you for generations, you know, who you're now fixated upon God giving judgment upon them. Mm. I'm going to help them if they have faith in me, you That's know. That's so good. And and both of those things combined, man, I can only imagine the, the shock of those words, the, the slap in the face in some respects of those words. Um, but again, it just comes down to, you know, and a lot of this translates for us today. It's like, I can only imagine some of those Nazarenes saying, wait a second, that's, those are the qualifiers for, for, for the new kingdom. But I, I know the Torah word for word, you know, I help out and wash people as they come in to the synagogue every Sabbath day. You know, I, I, I perform these duties in church and serve well for, for the rabbi every week. And sadly, I think a lot of us can fall into that same way of thinking, you know, of, of kind of having those checklists. It's who I belong to. It's what I do. Yeah. It's, or man, it's I serve standard, in the worship yeah. ministry every week. What do yeah. you mean? I'm not, you know, but, but am I having a heart of humility and open handedness with God? Well, maybe not, you know, and Jesus is saying now to them, just like he's saying to us, guys, this is not what I'm looking for. I'm not looking for robotic loyalty. What I'm looking for is a genuineness of humility and faith in what I've come to do. You know, and that same thing extends to that hard time you were just talking about, you know, uh, and this talks, we were talking a little bit before the podcast, just about the nature of man a little bit. And sadly, I wish it wasn't so, but we're just so fickle. We can be so fickle, you know, and when those hard moments come, like you both brought up so quickly, it can go from one minute we are happy and steadfast and great. And then we're just questioning everything that's going on around us, you know, mm-hmm. and maybe we're not questioning if God is real, but maybe we're questioning, God, is this really what you want to be happening? Like, God, are you even seeing this? You know, things like that. Or God, do you really want us to be suffering in this way? Like, how could this be for the best? And that reminds me of first Peter four, you know, just with that sense of expectation of hardships. First Peter four says, and I love just the wording. I've been up all the time. It's one of my like favorite verses in this, in this, um, issue is beloved. Do not be surprised at the fiery trial when it comes upon you to test you as though something strange were happening to you. And then this is the piece that I think that the Nazarenes are missing and we can often miss in our lives. It says, but rejoice in so far as you share Christ's <laughs> sufferings that you may also rejoice and be glad when his glory is revealed. And that piece of the puzzle, I think is what completely transforms how you go through these hard things because the Nazarenes clearly were not thinking from a perspective of, and what will bring God glory? What will bring the Messiah glory? No, they're thinking about themselves. 
And the same thing for us. We can so easily just slip into that way of thinking where we forget, man, what, what is going to bring Jesus more glory than anything else right now? You know, too often it turns into, what am I going to get out of this? Yeah. What am I going to get out of this? Or what's going to be the, the easiest thing for my family? Or what's yeah. going to, in, in my frame of thinking, be the quote unquote best thing for God's kingdom, you know, mm. not trusting that, like you said, we promise these things. God tells us, Jesus tells us you're going to suffer. And as you do that, I'm going to be glorified. Mm-hmm. You now, know? now it's, mm-hmm. and it's, you're not saying that, that we can't in suffering, reach out in prayer to God and, and ask him to relent or ask him to show mercy or ask him to heal or, or move or shift something. Right. We, we can pray that, but I think it's the attitude with which we were praying that, that we, we just want to be careful about, right. We don't want to presume upon God that he's going to bend to our will, or we don't want to, we don't want to assume that we have the leg up on God in terms of perspective and wisdom and, and insight about what's happening. Right. We have to, we, have, we can pray and ask him to move and, and do what, 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 what is, a, you know, on our hearts for him to do, mm-hmm. but we have to make sure that we're, we're coming at him with trust that he's ultimately in control and that he's ultimately good. Absolutely. You know, I, I just think about a picture of like if Parker or maybe Cohen's a better example, he's younger, comes to you now and says, Dad, can I please have this thing? You know, there's nothing wrong with him asking that. That's great. You know, but if his if his attitude and his heart is completely transformed by whether or not you say yes or no, that's not a good reflection of his trust in you as his father. Right. You know, if, if you say yes and bless him, and he's grateful to you for that. That's amazing. If you say no and he acknowledges as your son, OK, Dad, I trust you. It's, it's going to be OK. That's a good sign of that trust, right? Yep. And so often for us, we don't reflect that in our prayer lives. We, we, and I'm guilty of this. We all are, you know, of just saying, God, I know you can heal, so heal this person. Or I know you can do this, so do this. And yet we forget just that piece of, but God, I recognize that that might not be what your plan is, that your wisdom might go beyond what I think to be is what's best right now. You know, which again, I think all that stems back to just that, that humility and that perspective of, I'm going to rejoice not because good things are happening. I'm going to rejoice because Christ is being glorified right mm-hmm. now. Mm-hmm. It's you know it's the it's your reflection questions, Sean, that really struck me. Is it's like what you guys are talking about? Is it are we praying with humble submission to whatever God's will is? We have our hands open to it, or are we praying with selfish expectation? Because if He doesn't do what I want Him to do, then you know I don't know. I'm out maybe, mm-hmm. and. Uh, and I feel like that's really reflected in how the these folks in the synagogue responded to Jesus when you asked Dan what changed, like what what yeah. what was the switch, you totally. know? Because in the in verse twenty two it says all spoke well of him and marveled at the gracious words, and then the next sentence says, but then they say, well, but isn't this Joseph's son? Mm-hmm. You know, it's that kind of uh, pride. Of, like, who does he think he is kind of right. thing? And then, and Jesus says, doubtless you will quote to me the proverb, physician, heal yourself. Do what here, what us. you did yeah. there, yeah. right? Yeah. This is us. You're, you're one of us. Mm-hmm. And he basically is like, I'm not going to do that. Yeah. And, and prophet is not, accept, is not accepted in his own hometown. Mm. Um, so I think that it, the fickleness of humanity is so reflected even in just verse 22. I mean, it's reflected in this whole passage, how he, they loved him. They, I mean, they, they were marveling at him and then they want to throw him off a cliff, you know, but even just within that one verse, you see how they go back and forth. Yeah. Which I think, um, sorry, Dan, are you gonna, 
No. Which I think on that note of fickleness, that is what humility can protect us from. You know, like you saying on Sunday, I am set free. It is for freedom that we're set free. You know, we, we read all about how Christ suffered and died because of the joy that he saw ahead of him for, for, for our, for his people, for us. Right. And I think that that joy and that freedom is exactly what we're talking about. It's if you are practicing that constant humility in your life, then you're free. You don't have to be fickle. You don't have to be tugged and pulled by circumstances and what you do and don't want in life. All of that is so much easier because you can just have open hands before God, which really protects you from a lot of heartache when you really think about it. Well, and then com- compare that with the the Pharisees and Sadducees, mm-hmm. which I think is kind of representative of uh, a, a type of response to Jesus and his, his message and his coming as Messiah. Mm-hmm that there was this contingency of Israel that was not pleased with what, what was going on. And all of this conversation makes me think of Matthew 16 when the Pharisees and Sadducees come to Jesus and they, they test him, which they did often. And basically they're asking him, Hey, if you're, if you're really the son of God, if you're really d- divine, then show us a sign from heaven. Right? So they're like challenging him <laughs> And, and he answers them, he's, you know, he, he, he talks in kind of like a riddle like he normally does, but he's basically talks about the sky and, and being able to, to look mm-hmm. at, at what's happening with the clouds and, and interpret what the weather is going to be. Right. And he says, you know how to interpret the sky, but you can't interpret the signs of the time. Mm-hmm. And then he calls them in verse four, an evil and adulterous generation seeking a sign. And he says, but no sign will be given to your generation, except the sign of Jonah, which we were talking offline earlier that that sign of Jonah is a reference to Jesus being in the tomb three days and, and rising again, which, which, I mean, what, what greater sign that, that Jesus is the son of God, who he says he, he, he claims to be other than that. But I often think about, you know, people in my life who, who are unbelieving and, how many times have you guys heard in conversation, well, if God would just show himself to me in some way, you know, if he would just, whatever, give me a sign, you mm-hmm. know? And, and <laughs> I think we see in, in, in scriptures like this and in, in, in examples like in Luke four that, mm-hmm. man, that's not, that's, that's not what Jesus always does, what God always does to, to turn a heart, mm-hmm. right? Because he, he sees all things. He can see into a heart. And a lot of times, like he said here, you, it wouldn't do, it wouldn't matter, <laughs> right? If I did these things, it's not going to change your heart. Mm-hmm. And Sean, you were saying earlier that Jesus doesn't, isn't ever going to do something miraculous to, to prove who he is, right? Yep. He's going to do something miraculous because that's who he is because his heart is, it's compelled to do that or it's, it's the we faith see it, of the person. It's the faith of the person, mm-hmm. or it's the will of the Father, right? And so, we have to be really important, really careful about what what's our heart behind that. And and I think launching off of that, uh, we can really follow Jesus's example in this because, kind of like an offshoot of this is how much of the decisions that we make in our daily life are based off of earning man's approval. How many of our decisions are based off of wanting to be well-liked, wanting to be well-thought of, wanting to have respect or admiration or influence? Do you guys think 
Yeah. Do you think this is an issue? I mean, even our church, oh, right? Yeah. We talked about like we want to grow our church. What's the why, though? You know? Yeah, yeah. What's the why behind it? Yeah. And and I think you see this is an ex- an example all throughout the Gospels where Jesus's popularity kind of ebbs and flows, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. right? Sometimes people are really digging what he's saying, and he's got these massive amount of people following him. But then other times his words get too tough mm. and people abandon him. Yeah. Right. Mm. And, but Jesus never wavers. Mm-hmm. He never wavers from his mission. He never wavers from the truth. He never stops entrusting himself to the father and being obedient to the father. And, you know, we were talking earlier just about, um, about in John chapter two, um, Jesus basically says it, John says at the end of the chapter that um, at, at the Passover festival, many people saw the signs that Jesus was performing and they believed in his name, right? So I, so this is one of the seasons where he's like, people are loving him. Yeah. You know, Jesus World Tour, like he's got a, he's got a big, you know, following. Yeah. Like, but I love what it says in verse 24. It says, but Jesus did not entrust himself to them for he knew all people. He did not need any testimony about mankind for he knew what was in each person. Amen. And then you can, you know, you can compare that with what you were talking about, Sean, about Jesus entrusting himself to the father. Yeah. And what a great example for us, right? We can't put our stock in how people respond to what we're doing or what we're saying or how we're living our life. We have to just continually trust ourselves to the father. And I think this is a great this is a great um, opportunity for us to follow Jesus's example in that. Yeah, well, I think that's a good point for us to consider of, like you guys both said, what, where, what is the why of what we're doing? Because sadly, I mean, for all of us, every single day, we're fighting against the world, just bombarding us with this messaging of you need approval from X, Y, or Z, you know? And a lot of it boils down to approval of men. You're looking for approval of men, whether we're talking about- The likes. Um, yeah, the likes on social media. Oh my goodness! Whether we're talking about your your boss's approval at work, so you get that promotion. Whether we're talking about having enough money to buy that cool car, so people think you're you know all all the things you guys can imagine. Um, but man, that is always going to be a recipe for disaster when it comes to the steadfastness and faithfulness of your life. You know, if you're if you're trying to be a, a steadfast person and you're basing your success and worth on other fickle people, <laughs> then of course you're going to have fickle results as well, right? I mean, this reminds me, Connie, you read earlier from, from Galatians 4. And you know, in, in Galatians, the context is Paul's writing because there's basically Jewish Christians trying to convince these new saved people, hey, you need to obey the law still. You need to still live like you you aren't saved, like the old ways, you know? And Paul's shutting them down saying, no, you're free from those things. And he says later in Galatians 4, which I just love as it pertains to this, basically he says that you when you, when you didn't know God, you were enslaved to men. And then he says, but now that you have come to know God, or rather be known by God, how can you turn back again? to the weak and worthless elementary elementary principles of the world Mm. whose slaves you want to be once more. Mm. Like, I just love that idea of, man, how can you go back now that you know the savior now that you have known, you know, God and are known by God. How can you return to being enslaved by man's wants and desires of you? Like, don't do that. 
know, that reminds me of the proverb about a dog returning to its vomit, Mm -hmm. you know, like it's, it's not, it's not what God intends for you when we talk about the freedom of, of our salvation now, you know, Mm -hmm. so all that to say, man, just do some prayer this week. It's another, another homework task and, and ask the Holy Spirit to just reveal in your hearts. Are there things in my life? where I am just emphasizing too much what people think of me, yeah. what people's expectations are of me. And again, this could be even things that that are on one hand could be godly things, but you've just shifted the emphasis too much, you know? Like Dan and I all the time are planning things for worship or music or whatever. And personally, it's easy for me to watch a YouTube video of what a cool church is doing or see some Instagram posts. I'm like, oh, we should do that. That'd be cool too, you know? And that's great. We, we love ministry thing, but quickly that can become oh man, I'll be bummed if people don't come to this thing. Or I'll be bummed if X, Y, or Z. And now we're starting to just subtly shift into that. Oh man, I'm seeking approval rather than just being faithful to what God's put in front of me. So I think we all can assess in that area. Yeah. Well, and another thing that we can look to along those lines is, I think it's pretty amazing. I mean, it's just, it's kind of, Luke just kind of gives it, kind of a throwaway sentence almost, but, <laughs> but basically what happens in the text in verse 28 through, through 30 is these people seize Jesus. They take him out to the edge of town. They're going to throw him off a cliff and, and, and kill him. But he just like a, like a Jedi just passes through them and, 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 and he, he gets away. And one of the things you said there, Sean was it, it was his time had not yet come. And Jesus lived with this such pure devotion to the father and such laser focus on his mission mm. that he knew that even if people rejected him, even if people were not, were, were not loving what he had to say that he, that the father was going to protect him until it, it was his time. And that is very inspirational to us, I think, right? Because sometimes that's, what's at the root of, of our, our, our man fearing people pleasing attitude is we're, we're afraid of what's going to happen to our lives. We're mm-hmm. afraid of what's going to, what, what our, what the future holds, what's going to happen with my family. Like how am I going to pay the bills? Yeah. Blah, blah, blah. Right. And Jesus just lived with such trust mm-hmm. in the father that he's just like, it's not my time, you know, mm-hmm. and I'm just going to keep doing, I'm going to stay faithful. And I don't know. It's, it's, it inspires me. I think that's a really good um, good point, especially when we think of those in the synagogue and in Israel at the time. I mean, we have to remember what they were going through with the Romans. We're, we can be kind of hard on them and say, oh, these people, we would never do that. We would never. But there was real oppression. There was real oppression and yeah. there was real a sense of, Lord, how can you allow us to be in this kind of slavery, you know, mm-hmm. this kind of oppression? And so... Um, you know, we I can I can understand why they wanted a Messiah to be political, right? Mm-hmm. Because they really believed that they were God's people, that God was going to take care of them. But it seemed He wasn't taking taking care of them from their perspective. So your you know, your point of like, how are we going to pay the bills? How, where are we going to live? How are we going to survive? You know, God is going to take care of us, but it may not look like what we want it to look like. Mm. And to be humbly submitted to God means. Sometimes physical discomfort. Wow. You know, I think um, the Jews, I don't know if you guys have ever read The Bronze Bow. It's a really great book. It's actually for like teenagers, but it, it's <laughs> but it's written um, 
it's beautifully written. I believe she's um, a, a believer, and she wrote during the it, it, the context is during Jesus's time. It's not really about Jesus at all. It's about these teenage boys who really want to join the zealots and want to fight against the Romans. You really kind of oh, see wow. the setting and how oppressed oppressed they were. Like you know, when Jesus says, "If somebody forces you to go to one mile." Go with him two miles. Right. It's because a Roman soldier could, could come up to you and just like, give, him, point, give yeah. you all of his things and say, carry this, I'm going this way. And Jesus is saying, oh, go with him another mile. It's like, what? You know, mm-hmm. he was so counter what they they felt. They yeah. had all this anger. Or like if somebody slaps you on the right cheek, turn to him the other also. Mm-hmm. I mean, these are revolutionary things that Jesus was saying. And so sometimes there is discomfort. And sometimes there is oppression and mm. hardship in our lives. But are we willing to say, even then, Lord, even then, wow. I will be humbly submitted to you? I'm so glad you said that because I was just thinking about, I don't want anything we've said today to be misunderstood as, hey, just don't suffer. Just don't go through hard things. Or when you're in a really hard situation, just don't feel bad about it. Just trust God, you know, because the reality is, is we will endure very hard things in life. We all will. And we'll endure grief and, and mourning and loss, you know? And and the we're not saying don't feel those things. I mean, Jesus wept for things. God, God grieves for things. The Holy Spirit grieves over things. So we don't want that to be a focus of being these robots that just have faith and everything's fine, you know? Right. Of course. But but the but the beauty of that is if you have faith, if you have that humility, there's a sweetness and a constant yes. and a steadfastness yes. in that suffering that is not yes. present without that. I'm sure we all have people in our lives, or or you personally maybe, who you've been in that spot of grief and loss. And you can see the difference mm-hmm. of someone who, when they're clinging to God so closely, they're saying, I am hurting. Yes. I am. Yes. I don't know what to do, but I know that God has me in his hands. I'm going to take it one step yeah. at a time versus well, without it. And they're just lost yeah. and dazed, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Well, and if you're if you're wanting to see a picture of what that is or, or you're looking for a template for how to, how to communicate that to God, go to the Psalms. Mm. And I mean, they're the lamenting. The lamenting Psalms. And if you don't know where to find them, you can literally just go to Google and just say lamenting songs and you'll get a whole list of, yep. of them. A lot of them are the laments. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Mm-hmm. And and what's so beautiful about those is there is a raw emotional outpouring to God. Yes. It's unfiltered. It is real. Yeah. Real yeah. And, Angry. And intense. There's, yeah. and, and really whatever kind of negative emotion you could imagine mm. there's language in the psalms mm-hmm. for that that will help you express yourself to god it will help you realize that you're not alone mm-hmm. that other other people throughout human history have felt what i'm feeling right mm. now it'll give you perspective right i mean sometimes we we feel like our life is going to come to an end yeah but some of these psalmists literally are are being pursued mm-hmm. to death or they're they're in they're in captivity yeah. and and everything they have has been stripped from them and so sometimes we read them and we're like wow okay my problems aren't so bad yeah. you know yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but but what what else is so beautiful about these lamenting psalms is there's always a sense no matter how raw and gritty and and angry or or, or mournful they they are they always come back to Trust in God. Mm-hmm. Where's my hope? Yeah. What do I know you to? What have you done in the mm-hmm. past, God? And who, who are you? What's who your character? You? Mm-hmm. What's your character? 
Yeah. And it's a great template for us. That is beautiful. What do we deal? How do we that's deal with good. our that's emotions? Practical. Yeah. So, so, and then what I a lot of times will counsel on people is after you've read a couple of those mm-hmm. lamenting psalms, try writing your own. Mm. And and borrow some of that language. Mm-hmm. Yeah, or pray through them, you know? Yeah. yeah. Like you can even like kind of personalize them as you pray. Yeah. And add some of your own details or own emotions there. And and yeah. don't you think God wants to hear that, right? Sean, you just said he I mean, he's the man of sorrows. He's acquainted with grief. He he understands this is one of the themes that uh, that we've been going over in Luke mm-hmm. is that he's perfectly positioned to Absolutely. be a high priest to yeah. stand in the gap for us mm-hmm. to to empathize with our weakness. And I mean, why else would God ordain that those lamenting Psalms would be in scripture, right? They're they're meant to be a guide for us to deal with our emotions. Yeah. And just think about it so simply, like the point of everything, the point of all of this, not just Luke of of scripture of Jesus, but everything, God's intention for, for all of us is just to be one with him to be one with him in all things. And so, of course, he desires that relationship as we endure the hard things as well, right? You know, the, the lamenting, I wonder what kind of Psalms Paul would have written, St. Paul, because yeah. he, one, one, of the thing, one of his little phrases that I love is he says that he was sorrowful yet mm. always rejoicing. Yep. You know, there's, there's a mixture there. You can be both. You can be sorrowful, but right. always rejoicing. Yeah. And then to that, you know, your thing, Dan, how, you know, you think you have it so bad, but then you look at other, look at the <laughs> right. psalmist or whatever, right, right. you know, I think it's in First Peter 4 when what you quoted, Sean, where it says, um, you know, basically take heart because your brothers and sisters around the world are undergoing the same mm-hmm. kinds of suffering, not even in our own time, but it, throughout the history of mankind, yeah. you know, so there's comfort in that. Like, I'm not the only one. Mm-hmm. And yeah. 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 That's and, really good. and again, like ultimate example, man, the comfort of Jesus, knowing what he went through. Absolutely. And just to throw it back to that uh, first period two that we talked about on Sunday of, yeah, he was hated and suffered and reviled against and he didn't respond like that. He just entrusted himself to God knowing he was going to judge justly. But I love just the verse 21 of that, of just a reminder of that there is an element there where Christ went through all of this for you to be able to do it too. So that, that you've been called to this, that Christ suffered for you so that you could follow in his footsteps. And I just love thinking about it of, of Jesus. Not only did you die for my freedom and my security and all these things, but you were so intentional and so thoughtful that you went through what you went through, enduring incredible pain and hatred and separation from your father and all those things so that your your loved ones, us, could could do it as well. And that's just so comforting to to think about as we endure the hard things. Amen. Man, I I feel encouraged. I feel I feel pointed to Jesus. Mm. What about you guys? Amen. Yes. I love hanging out with you guys. <laughs> Likewise. What a treat <laughs> to have you. Yeah. Um, Sean, anything coming up in the life of our church that they need to know about? Hey, we're doing this really fun, exciting thing on um, Sunday, actually. It's a pretty beautiful experience. It's called Worshiping the Lord Together. Uh, 9 and 11 o'clock at the Crossing and 10 o'clock at the Altamont. We hope to see you all there um, as we just continue doing this. Just... And come early for coffee and community at Amen. the Crossing. Okay, before Sunday's wonderful worship, oh. I have to put a plug in for the uh, singles. The dis- singles <laughs> dessert. This is the only way we get people to be guests on our podcast is we tell them they can, they you can, can advertise their, their ministry. <laughs> Google ad clicks. Hey, uh, if you are a single person who is a, uh, over, 
35 or older. How much we, older? You know, old, old, like 96. My dad could come. What if he, he should come. What if you're he 34? <laughs> 34. I, you, you know what? Please done. come. Okay. It, seems, come. it seems weird that we'll go up to 97, but only I down know. to 35. <laughs> well, I, you know, honestly, well, I didn't I'm want... going and I'm not even single at all. So oh, I, there you I'll go. Be there. We're going to have a lot of elders and a lot of pastors and staff there. But if you uh, just come and hang out with us for a couple of hours. So it's, not, it's not speed dating, right? What is oh, this? come on. No, we're not speed dating. No, this it? is not. This fellowship. Is, this is fellowship. This is an opportunity for... Um, for the single folks in our in our community to say, hey, why don't we let's do? Uh, we'd like this to happen. We want to hear from them because they have different needs, yeah. you know, than than folks who are mm. under thirty five or <laughs> married. Yeah, amen to that. And just note on that, you know, uh, there's a variety of people like Connie just said with different needs. Some of you who are older than thirty five and single might feel like. I'm good. I don't need more fellowship. I feel cared for. But maybe this is an opportunity for you to care for someone else who's in the wow. same age group. That's yes. so, so just come and hang out and have a good time together. Dang. That's Thank good. you, guys. All right, guys. Thanks for listening. Bye. Bye. Thank you for listening. Be sure to subscribe for future episodes of Behold. If you would like more information about Valley Bible Church, or if you'd like resources from this episode, go ahead and check out vbc.online forward slash behold. Catch you guys next week. Online forward slash behold. Catch you guys next week.